Hello, and welcome to Curious Appetite. Thank you for joining. I'm your host, Nola Mann, and we're going to take a little journey to the origin of some of your favorite foods. Today's item, pizza. Mmm, pizza. Conjures up all kinds of thoughts. The dough, the crust, a sauce, the toppings. What are your favorite toppings? Pepperoni? Sausage and mushroom? Maybe pineapple? Does that count as pizza if there's pineapple on it? Is calzone a pizza? All these questions keep me up. Pizza is one of my favorite foods. I really don't have an off switch. If there's pizza in front of me, I will eat it. But where did pizza come from? Well, pizza dates back thousands of years, believe it or not, tracing its roots back to flatbreads with toppings that were popular with the ancient Egyptians, Greeks, and the Romans. But the modern pizza, flatbreads with tomato sauce, cheese, and toppings, that was born along the western coast of Italy in the city of Naples. Now, historians haven't really pinpointed an exact date for the creation of pizza, but they've been able to narrow down the window a bit. I mean, tomatoes, they originated in the West, but didn't make their way to Europe until around the 1500s. Actually, they weren't even initially embraced because they were thought to be poisonous. So pizzas couldn't have come into existence until after that time. There is a book from 1799 that narrows pizza's birthday even further. It describes pizza as being a dough with tomato sauce and cheese, so we know it was invented by at least then. And thanks to an Italian census taken in the late 1700s, which listed a handful of people as pizzolas, or pizza makers, in Naples. So we know the dish was well enough to give rise to its own profession. So Naples was founded around 600 BC as a Greek settlement. Naples in the 1700s and early 1800s was a thriving waterfront city, technically an independent kingdom. It was notorious for its throngs of working poor, or lazzaroni. And the closer you got to the bay, the denser their population, and much of their living was done outside, so food needed to be able to be eaten very quickly. Flatbreads were sold by street vendors, were then topped with tomatoes, cheese, garlic, anchovies, and olive oil. And they were available for every meal and easily affordable all the time, and thus pizza was born. So Italy unified in 1861 under King Umberto I and Queen Margherita visited Naples in 1889. So legend has it that the traveling pair, after the unification, became bored with their steady diet of French haunt cuisine and asked for an assortment of pizzas from the city's Pizzeria Brandi the successor to De Pietro Pizzeria, founded in 1760. The variety that the queen enjoyed the most was called pizza mozzarella, a pie topped with soft white cheese, red tomatoes, and green basil. Perhaps it's no coincidence that her favorite pie featured the colors of the Italian flag. From then on, the story goes that the particular topping combination was dubbed pizza margarita. You would think that Queen Margarita's blessing could have been the start of an Italian-wide pizza craze, but the pizza would remain little known in Italy beyond Naples' borders until at least 1940. But elsewhere, across the ocean, pizza was booming. 
Immigrants from Naples were landing in America and coming for their new opportunities. And the millions of Europeans immigrating at the time were taking on factory jobs and other labor, but with them came their favorite dish. And as the Neapolitans were cooking up pizzas for themselves, the taste of pizza spread, and soon in places like New York, Boston, and especially Trenton, more pizza shops began sprouting up to the delight of everyone around. Now, one of the earliest pizzerias in the U.S. was opened in Manhattan. It is believed that an Italian immigrant, Gennaro Lombardi, started the business in 1897 as a grocery store at 53rd and a half Spring Street and began selling tomato pies wrapped in paper and tied with a string at lunchtime to the workers in the area factories. In 1905, Lombardi received a business license to operate a pizzeria restaurant and soon had a clientele that included the Italian tenor Enrico Caruso. Lombardi later passed the business on to his son, George. In 1984, the original Lombardi's closed. It had been open continuously since that time, but reopened 10 years later, a block away, at 30th and 32nd Spring Street, run by Gennaro Lombardi III and his childhood friend, John Brescio. This hiatus and location change surrendered the title of American's oldest pizzeria to Papa's Tomato Pies in Trenton, New Jersey, which opened in 1912 and has sold pies without interruption ever since. Now, a little footnote. Gennaro Lombardi III's friend, John Brescio, was named a captain in the Genovese crime family by law enforcement in 2017. In 2005, Lombardi offered entire pizzas for five cents, which is, was their 1905 price to commemorate the 100th anniversary, and they did it again in 2015. So I'm curious, in 2025, will we be able to buy a pie for only a nickel? Of course, most of these stories are told down the line and legends are created and in fact, in 2019, suspicion was raised about whether Gennaro Lombardi was the true founder. And after a search of his birth record, naturalization papers, and other supporting documents, showed he first came to America in November of 1904 at the age of 17, classified as a laborer. If he had become involved in the pizzeria on Spring Street in 1905, it was an employee, not as an owner, and research suggests that Filippo Maloney opened the pizzeria. But if I was you, I wouldn't be walking into Lombardi's and talking that up too much. Pizza hits another big stride right after World War II, as servicemen got a taste for pizza when they were stationed in Naples and the surrounding region, they end up coming home also with it and start to see it in their area and say, oh, I went there, I had it, it's amazing, we need to start eating it. And so it kind of takes off regionally because these folks weren't in New York City when they came back. A lot of them were from the Midwest, let's say, and they started to look for pizza and, and wanted when they did see it, they would obviously ask for it or eat it. So it starts to become part of the American food culture. And when pizza finally took hold in America, it became just this cultural export to the rest of the world, like Coca-Cola or Elvis. So everybody started eating pizza because they thought it was the cool American thing to do. 
In fact, you could say that the regions outside of Naples started eating pizza, not because of Naples, but because of America. So now that we've got pizza in America and branching out to the rest of the world, where does the pepperoni come in? Well, pepperoni, if you went to Italy and asked for it, it doesn't even exist in their language. If anything, that sounds like bell pepper to them. So unlike the origin of pizza, which can be traced back to Naples, the origin of pepperoni actually comes from the U.S. There is a history of pepperoni in the early 1900s where it's referenced more as salami, a cured meat, a spicy little salami. But it wasn't really associated with pizza. And that really came about in 1950. So, According to the documentation, the first pizzeria to feature pepperoni on top of pizza was allegedly The Spot in New Haven, Connecticut. Still, it wasn't a national phenomenon, at least not yet. The rise in popularity has Domino's to thank for that. Yes, Domino's. Now, it may not be your favorite pizza chain, but it certainly is a major player. And in the 1980s, Ezzo, E-Z-Z-O, began making pepperoni for this small chain called Domino's. And the rapid growth of Domino's pizza combined with the popularity of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, if you know anything about that, they reference pepperoni as a favorite pizza topping. And it goes absolutely bonkers. And to this day now, 50% of pizzas nationwide are sold with pepperoni on them. Another reason pepperoni really takes hold is its availability. You could have it pre-sliced or even encased in the sausages and it didn't require near the refrigeration. It kept for long periods of time and it was very inexpensive. So the pizzerias loved it and it's be able to use it efficiently. So how did Hawaiian pizza come about? Love it or hate it, It is popular across the country as a topping. But again, where did it originate? Well, there's some debate on this, but I can tell you it was not from Hawaii, okay? In fact, most of the time, originally you would hear it as Canadian bacon and pineapple, and that might have given you a clue there because one theory has it that it absolutely was from Canada. In fact, it's from French-Canadian Sam Panapopoulos, and it's often credited as having invented the Hawaiian pizza in 1962. But there is a slight differentiation that there's also a place called Francine's Pizza Jungle in Oregon that advertised a Hawaiian pizza topped with pineapple, papaya, and green peppers. And they say they were the first because it came earlier. Now, that's up for debate because it depends on your choice of definition on what's a Hawaiian pizza. So if it's pineapple only, so to speak, does the Oregonian get it? Or it really needs to have ham on it, which I'm leaning towards, and therefore Canada gets the prize. But that's up to you. So the origin of the word pizza is actually uncertain. You know, it is Italian for pie, and that may have come from Latin, pix, P-I-X, or pitch, or even Greek pita. So it's common belief that pizza was an invention by the Italians. In the 60s, pizza takes another leap forward 
as the invention of the frozen pizza comes out. So you used to have to go to a pizzeria and sit down, and now you didn't have to be in a town that had a pizzeria. You could actually buy it at the supermarket, take it home, and make it whenever you liked. So pizza, again, became more normalized and common in American households. I think it's important to talk about some of the pizzerias that really made pizza what it is today. And one of the first was Shakey's Pizza, which some of you on the east of the Mississippi probably don't recognize Shakey's as much, but West Coast folks will. It was actually founded in Sacramento, California in 1954, and it's one of the earliest to franchise as a pizza establishment. And it was started by Sherwood Shakey Johnson and Ed Plummer. Now, Johnson gets his nickname Shaky as a result from nerve damage following a bout of malaria he suffered in World War II that gave him tremors and shakes. It was actually named after that. And when they first opened, uh, they would sell beer. It was really a bar. And he took the profits from the beer sales, bought the ingredients for the pizza, and started making pizzas out of it. Eventually, it expands quite large to over 500 outlets and goes international, actually, and changes hands a number of times. But it was known as a pizza parlor. And he had a love of uh, Dixieland jazz music, which in Sacramento is well uh, known for. And so if you went in there, they had the most of the people that worked in there wore straw hats. Um, they usually had a piano and many times even live music with a banjo playing. There are a lot of other pizza places that take off names that you would know around the same time period. So you had Pizza Hut out of Wichita, Pizza Inn in Dallas, both in 1958, Le Little Caesars, they come in to Detroit in 1959. By the way, uh, Little Caesars um, founder, he was really well known for his giving back to the community. In fact, it's been said that he paid for Rosa Parks' rent for the last 12 years that he was alive. Domino's, as we mentioned earlier, well, they start up in Michigan in 1960, and the story goes that these two brothers opened their first pizzeria called Dom Nick's uh, after both their names, and then in 1965, they renamed it to Domino's, and by 1978, there were 2,000 in operation, but then leap forward to 1989, there were over 5,000, and today there are over 14,400 locations in over 85 countries. So Domino's delivers more than 1 million pizzas every day all over the world. Now, commercially made gas and electric pizza ovens, along with the large mixers for dough, were introduced in the mid-50s and helped make the creation of the pizzas easier and far less dependent on that individual pizza maker. That allowed them to make them much more efficiently, lower cost, higher production. Now, we can't not talk about pizza without talking about some of the regional favorites. So a local specialty began in Chicago in 1943 with the first deep dish pizza. It was created at Pizzeria Uno by non-Italians. And this hefty dish was really more of a casserole than a pizza, but still considered a pie. It was baked at lower temperatures for around 
45 minutes or so, far longer than the thin crust versions, but contained the usual pizza ingredients. And as that grew, it, it became like fiercely loved by uh, Chicago people because they could, they had their own, uh, you know, name brand pizza and they just love to go at it with the new yorkers who had the thin style and ours is better yours is better and they go back and forth and still goes back and forth to this day and if you've ever been to chicago and gone to pizza riono uh or the other competitors they all have their deep dishes uh and they are hearty it is uh not a meal for one even myself who doesn't have an off switch on pizza uh had a hard time finishing the whole pie now let's not leave out california because another type of pizza was really added by a non-italian again which is sort of that designer pizza or California pizza. And that was introduced in the 1980s by Wolfgang Puck at Spago Restaurant in Los Angeles. And this helped expand the range of toppings. Because uh, before it was very limited, very traditional, what you would think of as a pizza. He started adding goat cheese, salmon, chicken, shrimp, even caviar were on top of Spago pizzas. And soon the craze went all over LA in the mid-1980s. Although I will give credit to Alice Waters of Chez Panisse that really heightened the level of pizza, that it wasn't just this fast working man's food, that it could actually be elevated to the status of fine dining. Wolfgang Puck was inspired by that and definitely allowed Spagos to popularize that idea that pizza could be served at a serious restaurant. Although not a regional pizza, but definitely a style of pizza, is Sicilian pizza, which is a thick crust, usually rectangle or square and cut into squares. It's uh, kind of reminiscent of fagascia bread because it's thick. In fact, the original Sicilian pizza would not have had meat on it, would not have had mozzarella because mozzarella comes from cows. And if you know anything about Sicily, there's really no cows. There's very little pasture land. You usually have, uh, they're doing that from goat milk or um, from sheep. And usually it was topped with more like spices and perhaps anchovies because um, they were regionally found all over uh, the island being surrounded by the sea. And it really becomes Americanized, if you will, later on when they move into New York. They start to produce Sicilian pizza and mozzarella is right there because they could get it very cheap, the cheese. Uh, New York was very had a tremendous amount of dairy cows in upper state New York, produced a lot of cheese, produced a lot of mozzarella, so the price point was really good. And it kind of goes on from there. Your patrons want meat, so they put meat on it. And today, a Sicilian-style pizza is just that. It's a pizza thick crust with all the usual toppings. So let's talk a little Detroit-style pizza. Now, Detroit-style pizza really began at Buddy's Rendezvous Pizzeria on Six Mile and Canant Street on Detroit's east side when in 1946 Gus Guerrera and his team made their first square-shaped pizza. So they baked it in forged steel pans borrowed from the local automotive plants and they were able to produce this very light but a crispy crust known as Detroit style pizza. And the crispiness was that the cheese was actually all the way to the edges and would go 
down the slices, especially in the corners, and would sort of caramelize and harden. And that's sort of that iconic taste of the Detroit style against that hard steel pans that would just make it crunchy crispy. Though there are many places that serve Detroit-style pizza, Buddy's is still up and operational and still at the original location at Six Mile and Conant. And then lastly, there's New Haven style. New Haven, Connecticut, as you know, is one of the originators of pizza in America. And it has a thin crust that varies kind of between that chewy and tender, depending where it's made. But it's baked in coal-fired brick ovens till it's charred. And then that offsets that sweetness of the tomatoes. Now, it's also known as a a pizza, A-P-I-Z-Z-A, but is pronounced abitz by the local dialect. And now for some fun pizza facts. October is National Pizza Month in the United States. Pizza delivery sales make up about 60% of the total pizza market. Approximately 13% of the U.S. population consumes pizza on any given day. Pizza Hut is the largest pizza chain in the world, with more than 18,000 locations. The global frozen pizza market was worth $21.5 billion in 2020. The global pizza market in total is projected to reach a value of $233 billion by 2023. 93% of Americans eat pizza at least once a month. Americans eat approximately 100 acres of pizza each day, or about 350 slices a second. And the average American consumes about 46 slices of pizza per year. I would be above average. Historically speaking, pizza just recently hit its stride, and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. In fact, it's just expanding. So don't be surprised if you travel the world abroad and see pizza on the menu. So that's it for this episode of Curious Appetite. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm Nola Man, and until next time, stay hungry.